0: This is Cultivating Place, conversations on natural history and the human impulse to garden. From North State Public Radio in Northern California, I'm Jennifer Jewell. Last week, Cultivating Place spoke with Cal Water Representative Evan Markey about the rate at which Californians have responded to both drought and state and regional financial incentives to replace their thirsty, traditional sod lawns with more water-efficient and drought-adapted plantings. We also heard from homeowner Renda Glick, who took this incentive and replaced her lawn with a beautiful, drought-tolerant garden. But does simply replacing your lawn bring you up to speed as a gardener? Have you noticed how when, as a lawn is replaced with a garden, some homeowners approach these new gardens with the same mow-and-blow management techniques they afforded their prior lawns? Others seem to assume these are static installations now and leave them to their own devices of overgrowth, weeds, and death. Into this gap comes a brave new crop of fine gardeners, and they are not what they used to be. Here to talk with us more about this is Jen Simmons, home gardener and garden manager fine gardener for Ruskin Gardens in Palo Alto, California. Welcome, Jen.
1: Thank you. Pleasure to be here.
0: I'd like to start out with you a little bit. And what brought you personally in your life to a love of of nature and plants and gardens?
1: I grew up in Santa Clara Valley, which was a lot of orchards and little farms. And my grandparents always gardened. my grandmother's grandmother always gardened and took pictures of plants and was always showing us things. Okay, okay, Grandma. You know, um, my mom and dad worked every weekend in the garden, and I was just around it, and I never thought I would be interested in it, It just seemed sort of, I don't know, sweet or antiquated, and, you know, when you're a teenager, you're like, eh, I'm never going to do that, until so I got my own place. And then it was just something I felt compelled to do, just make my surroundings beautiful. My mom is a very creative person and she raised us to be creative and make our surroundings beautiful so that's pretty much how it ended up for me but um, also too when I stayed home with my kids uh, I worked in the garden a lot sometimes to get away from them (laughs) sometimes to involve them Um, and then you know when you live in the suburbs people see your garden and they want help with their garden and so I kind of started helping people Um, and the rest is history I mean there's a lot in between but
0: (laughs) and you went on to get uh, some some formal training talk about that a little bit and and what sort of led you to it and what it consisted of
1: yeah so when I was helping people um, I think anybody that starts out in this industry and it is an industry I mean there's so many aspects that you can go into and finding where you belong. Um, sometimes is difficult and sometimes it's not. So, um, I mean, I was doing my own gardening, but then I was helping people with their gardens. So I kind of got into this, some design, but I didn't feel the, the, the times that I felt the most connected and the most happy was when I was taking care of, um, my son's school's garden. And it wasn't just vegetables, it was ornamentals and then, you know, um, organizing other people to help. Um, That really got me going, but I didn't know what that was, really. I mean, it just felt like it was doing yard work or garden work, and I just really liked it. And one day I was reading an article in the San Jose Mercury News, and there was an article in there about Foothill College and the environmental horticulture program there. It's in Los Altos, California. And I thought, oh, I'll take a pruning class. That would be great. So (laughs) I started taking classes. And one day, one of the people I was in class with, she said, are you in this program? And I said, well, yeah, I'm taking classes. She's like, no, no, no. Are you going to get a degree? I was like, hmm, I could do that. (laughs) So I I said, okay, I'm going to do this. So, you know. You, they make you take all these design classes and everything, and I literally cried every single design class because <laughs> I was sitting there having to draw and measure and do all these things. That I'm just like, this isn't what I want to do. Like, I mean, I like design, but I want to be in the garden. Like, I want to be dirty and like working with people. And this isn't, you know, what I signed up for. And finally, one of our teachers. Um, has his own maintenance business and but they also do construction and design and he says you know sometimes when you're a designer and that's all you do you're not always working and it's really good to have these skills to be able to take care of people's gardens because that's a weekly or monthly thing and you always have income coming in i was like wait 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 that's a job like i could actually take care of gardens like other people's gardens and get paid he's like yes (laughs) so i realized okay that's what i want to do so i you know powered through all design classes but i also took irrigation and plant
0: id and all these other things that i love it is a professional and if not formally trained at at an institution such as Foothills, who have a fantastic ornamental horticulture um, and environmental horticulture program. It is a a learning process uh, that is accumulated over a lot of experience with plants and climates and soils and exposures. So talk a little bit about what exactly you would define fine gardening as and what you do on a professional basis in the gardens you work in?
1: Okay. Well, fine gardening to me is um, having an eye for design, um, being able to coordinate um, uh, all the people that it takes to make a garden beautiful. And sometimes it depends on the size of the garden. So let's say I'm taking care of a small garden, like a gravel garden. Um, that has, you know, a limited plant palette, but it's small and you can see it from every single window. And, you know, when I walk into the garden, um, because I, I do love design and I, you know, I understand it. Um, I can see like, oh, those are, that's the slaria and that grass is, you know, flowering right now. And that, you know, this is when you cut it back and this is when you mulch and, um, you know, if there's, it just depends on, you know, what plants are there. Like I look at every single plant and try to, to come up with a system of when does that plant get cut back? When do we fertilize? When do we spray it with hort oil? Maybe it's getting, you know, eaten by aphids. Um, figuring out when to mulch, uh, when to call in the big guns like arborists, <laughs> Um I mean, it, it pretty much encompasses everything. I mean, a lot of times I actually work with landscape architects and designers because they have a vision of the garden and they've been working with a client and they've come up with this space for, for the client. Um, I work with them to, you know, sometimes plants die and it's nice to have a fine gardener around that says, okay, this plant is dead. And what can we put here to, you know, not, not have a hole or, or do we place it with the same plant or do we do something different? Um, and then trying to keep that within the vision that you, you know, paid your garden designer to create for you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I feel like it's a, being a fine gardener is very collaborative. And actually the gardens where I collaborate with a designer or a homeowner Um, those are the best gardens. Those ones are the beautiful, um, peaceful um, gardens that just feel the best to me. I think that's what you get with a fine gardener is you get sort of like a garden buddy, like a garden friend, garden confidant.
0: Yeah, and that is, it's that that mentoring. And I think that maybe one of the things you get to in, in a garden in which you're collaborating with either you know an outside designer or a home gardener yeah. who has a strong vision is that sense of right. ownership and spirit of place that that you get yeah. with someone who is a gardener um and yeah. but and i think that um i'd like to talk a little bit about the the challenges that are faced both as a home gardener um, looking for a fine gardener but then as a fine gardener too some of the challenges as this field is kind of finding its its feet because, mm-hmm. you know, we don't all have big estates, but we sometimes no. need help and a plant dies and sometimes you know why, but sometimes you don't know why. And if you don't know why, you it's a little more difficult to put another plant in its place with confidence.
1: Well, some, some of the problems that we face are, um, well, communication. I mean, it's, it's a relationship and sometimes communications break down and sometimes they go great. So, um, you know, I try, especially the people that I don't, I'm taking care of their gardens and I don't see them very often. Or Maybe I'm dealing with a, an assistant or a nanny or a cook or something. Um, but, for the, but there are also large gardens that I take care of where the owner is very involved and we work side by side. And, those, you know, that's really fun. Um, the challenges are is you sort of have to be a mind reader. I mean, <laughs> it's, it can be touchy because, um, like, when I'm working with our guys, they're very, you know, well-trained. But to them, a lot of times, plants all look the same. So I look and I'm like, no, 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 that's a salvia. Like, I know it looks like a weed, but don't take that one out. You know, take this one out. Or sometimes euphorbia plants, there's a really bad weedy euphorbia, but then there's euphorbias that you want. Mm -hmm. And weeding out the bad with the good, you know, that is tricky sometimes. And then if the home gardener is really into seeding things, you know, trying to understand, okay, where did you seed the poppies? Let's put up some kind of barrier um, because, you know, then I can tell the guys, don't go over there. Don't weed, just leave that right now. Um, I mean, obviously, there are certain weeds that we all know as a crew that we deal with all the time, and we know those get taken out. But there are other ones where it's kind of unsure, um, especially when you get a homeowner and they're like, my grandmother gave me these these seeds, and I want to grow this thing, and, and none of us know what it looks like. Like we don't know what it looks like when it germinates, so you know I have everything from that to you know it's it's a challenge. It's definitely a yeah. challenge. Or or you cut something back and maybe you didn't communicate that. Oh well, this is when we cut all these grasses back.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So well, maybe homeowner liked the grasses right. with the scraggly blooms, and you know it's all what the person sees, and that just happens over time when you're just. From, from client to client where I have to say, okay, this client loves to bloom, so we wait till October to cut these ones back. But this client likes it when it's all mowed, so we mow that in August. Like, <laughs> right? so everybody's different. It, that's a challenge, it is a big
0: challenge. I'm Jennifer Jewell and this is Cultivating Place. Today we're speaking with Jen Simmons, a member of a new generation of fine gardeners, helping gardens and gardeners across the country. We'll continue our conversation after the break. Stay with us. If you're just joining us, I'm Jennifer Jewell, and this is Cultivating Place, conversations on natural history and the human impulse to garden. Have you noticed how when some homes remove their thirsty lawn and replace it with more drought-tolerant gardened areas, that only sometimes do people really know what to do with these new gardens? Some handle them with the same mow and blow management techniques they afforded their prior lawns. Others seem to assume these static installations need nothing from them. Others meet the gardening opportunity. And this is where the help, weekly, monthly, once yearly, or even just once, of a knowledgeable fine gardener can make all the difference. We're back from a break to continue our conversation with Jen Simmons, a garden manager and fine gardener working with Ruskin Gardens in Palo Alto, California. Welcome back. It sounds from what you are describing as though um, communication is key, you, you made yeah. that clear, and having a sense over time of, um, of timing, of tasks mm-hmm. and plants and personal timing, and yeah. then the relating of those to both the people that you are coordinating in the garden. So you're almost you're almost like friend, project manager, and gardener. Um, yes and so this and sometimes executioner because sometimes (laughs) I have to tell the person
1: you know this rhododendron is dead I know there's three leaves on it but it's okay we can take it out like gold and I always try to you know emphasize that this is you know this is for a new beginning. This is for a new new rhododendron or something that doesn't need as much water. Um, we're going to compost this and use it to enrich the lives of new plants. So <laughs> it's like a cycle. Like you're kind of coaching people because some people, they see like when a when a plant dies as a personal like, like something they did. And I was like, no, 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 no. Plants die. That's what they do. I mean... <laughs> Well, and
0: I it's, didn't laugh because
1: they take it very
0: seriously. Well, we all do. When something yeah. dies, you you do feel like it's you have a let failure. it down, or right and and that I, I see this also this this emergence of fine gardeners, um, and I think this is sort of advice to both people that might be interested in being a fine gardener and people that mm-hmm. might be interested in. Um, hiring the help of a fine gardener is to yeah. to understand that this is an opportunity to learn more. And yeah. that yeah. Um, whereas many of us did grow up gardening uh, with mm-hmm. people who showed us how to do it, and we, we learned by, by doing and seeing, that many people, there are many people who did not get that benefit of that kind of education. Exactly. And this is an opportunity as an adult to, to take some of that on. And so mm-hmm. so one, uh, the next question that I have for you is, what if you were a, ho- a homeowner, not a gardener mm-hmm. per se, who yeah. was, you know, who has just taken out their garden, um, their, not their garden, who has just taken out their lawn, and you need this little bit of help. You don't want to hire someone to come in every single week, but you need a little help. What would you ask as good kind of interview questions for someone you might be interested in hiring?
1: Um, well, well, first of all, I would, I would uh, if you're gonna take out your lawn, which I love the idea is to, um, and I learned this from the Great Burner Trainer and David Leroy, that I'm going to name drop, that keeping your plant palette really simple is so helpful and repeat, repeat, repeat. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I would, if I would hire a gardener, I would want someone who understood that to, um, I think it's more you have to think about what you want so that you can hire somebody who can mirror what you want. So, like, if you're okay with there being some weeds or if you're okay with starting with small plants and not maybe starting with huge plants um, because you're a patient person, like you're willing to wait for them to grow in, you're going to want to hire somebody who understands that. So, um, you know, maybe you want, some plants to have a shape and maybe you want some plants to be wild and let them go um, you want to have somebody who can see the difference between plants um, who knows plants who knows their growth habit and isn't familiar with the plants that you want in your garden or that your garden designer has chosen for you so, so, so-
0: it sounds like you are saying you want to find somebody who has a design eye that is similar yes. to yours or compatible with yours, and you want yes. somebody with a depth of plant knowledge as well.
1: Yeah, especially for that kind of garden that's not doesn't have a grass or, or some area that's just a negative space, whether it's you know mulch or gravel or or something like that. Because um, sometimes I think people put too many plants and you're really kind of making a nightmare for yourself, unless you are a home gardener and you're out there all the time. Um, for me, I plant things at my house that I would never plant for someone who wasn't a gardener because all it does is just set them up for a feeling of failure <laughs> because it's a plant that needs a lot of care um, or has an ugly period. Like, we have a lot of beautiful native plants you know, in California, and one that comes to mind is Aeschylus, um, the buckeye. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that plant, I would not, like, if, if I went to someone's house and they had that plant, I would want them to understand that in the summertime, it looks dead. Mm-hmm. And that's really important to have a fine gardener who can, like, be honest with you and tell you, no, that plant's not dead, but this is the cycle that it goes through, And that you just need to learn to accept it. Because Mm -hmm. sometimes people will want to, like, push against nature. And I think a fine gardener helps you sort of live within (laughs) nature because they understand what the plants are going to do. And if you can listen to that and be open to that as a person, you're going to be so much happier. And it's going to be put gardening in its place, which is. It's supposed to be fun and, and, and beautiful and make you feel good. It's not supposed to make you feel guilty. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're feeling guilty, then, you know, one thing that comes to mind is people buy, you know, plants from Trader Joe's or like, you know, that kind of stuff, and then they expect to put it in their gardens and have it be a big, beautiful plant. You know, that doesn't work. They're not really bred for that kind of thing. Like, I just tell people if it's an orchid, like, you're, it's not going to rebloom. I mean, not normally. I mean, if it reblooms for you, yay. But if not, put it in the compost and don't worry about it. <laughs> you know?
0: And yes. I think a
1: garden can be that way, too, where you're just like, well, why didn't that a be live? It's like, well, a be likes lots of water, and you bought it because the, the flowers looked pretty, but that's it. Like, this is California in a drought. <laughs>
0: Yes. And that kind of um, awareness, it comes with, you know, some research, but it also comes with just experience and time. And I think there are a lot of other resources that can help us bridge this gap if we take the time Um, and are pointed in the right direction along along the lines of books like the Sunset Western Garden book or going to see local botanic gardens in your area so that you aren't looking through a magazine that's published on the Eastern Seaboard and trying to replicate that in California. Um, exactly, and and that deepening awareness, I think, can happen with the help of a fine gardener or with mm-hmm. the the help of some additional resources. So, if you had three pieces of advice for uh, a person who might be interested in becoming a fine gardener, in order mm-hmm. to you know get them started and. Um, Set them off on, on a path to success. What would those tips be?
1: Um. Well, first of all, would be to, um, I mean, realizing that you that you love gardens and um, want to be outside. Uh. You know, it's it's very important to get some kind of education. I think whether it's just taking a plant ID class or um, uh, there's so many classes out there. There's like the Association of Professional Landscape Designers always have different classes, you know, on drought-tolerant plants. For me, plants is like where it, it all begins and ends. So the more I know about plants, the better I can take care of a garden. So I always tell people if you're going to become a fine gardener, and thank goodness, because there's not enough of us out there. And it's just to take a class where you walk around and learn about trees and ID the trees and the plants and the shrubs that grow well in your area. Um, That's just really important. Um, Pacific horticulture always has symposiums and um, things that you can go to to learn, find out about new books, books. and, yeah, definitely botanical gardens uh, and also just getting out there. You know, um, I think I've learned more working for Ruskin Gardens than I could have ever learned working uh, uh, or taking a class because it's a real-world thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm a doer, so reading something for me is is such a small part of how I learn. And I think most people that would become a fine gardener, I bet most of them would say that about themselves. Like, I want to feel the plant. I want to look at it. I want to smell it. I want to see what's around it. Um, that is really important just to get out there and do it. And, the, you know, the way I got my job was is that at Foothill, we had to do an uh, internship somewhere. And I met Amy Palmer, my, my boss, at a Pacific Hort. Um, symposium, and um, I said, "Do you need a Do you need a, an intern?" She was like, "Oh my god, I would love to have an intern." I'm like, "Okay, great. When can I start?" Like, I just want to be out in the
0: gardens, and that was five years ago, and I've been working for her ever since. So, yeah. to to summarize that, I'm hearing, keep educating yourself. Yes. Observe. Yes. Experiment, mm-hmm. and get out and garden
1: and just get out and do it okay yeah, you're (laughs) going to learn so much I mean everything from changing out a valve or figuring out why isn't my clock turning on this oh maybe it's a solenoid or you know something spraying up in the garden and you're realizing okay I need to learn how to take care of some of my irrigation Mm -hmm. and it's actually quite fun and fulfilling when you figure these things out (laughs) it's great it's just a great feeling
0: (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us today, Jen. Jen Simmons, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Jen Simmons is a member of a new generation of fine gardeners. She is a garden manager and fine gardener working with Ruskin Gardens in Palo Alto, California. Join us again next week as the conversation on the many ways people engage in and grow from the cultivation of their places continues. Cultivating Place is a co-production of North State Public Radio and JewelGarden.com. The program is produced by Sarah Bohannon. For this week's audio archive or to subscribe to the podcast, please visit MyNSPR.org. For more information, including many photos, please visit JewelGarden.com. For daily photos and more, follow Cultivating Place on Instagram and Facebook. Until next week, enjoy the cultivation of your place. I'm Jennifer Jewell.